praise team. It is great to see everybody again. A um, couple of quick announcements I wanted to add to that. Uh, yesterday, Tyler, our own Tyler Pittman, uh, coached the North Oconee High School varsity baseball team to a state championship. That's back to back. Um, and he said, I'm retired. So said Tom Brady. Uh, but anyhow, congratulations to Tyler and to the, uh, to the Titan baseball team. That was a remarkable achievement. Um, we have been in a series uh, going through looking at the book of Isaiah, specifically looking at Isaiah in the New Testament, so connecting there. Um, and so I think I wanted to start with a slide. I don't think I gave this a bride. It's the home slide for the, for the series. I don't know if that's up. Oh, there it is. Okay. So just I, I hadn't pointed this out. I didn't know if you all knew this or not. But that what you're looking at there is actually the Isaiah scroll. So the Dead Sea Scrolls were found around, I'm, I'm guessing here, around the 150s or so B.C. Um, in a cave along the Qumran area, along the, dead, the north part of the uh, Dead Sea. And so this was, the Isaiah Scroll was all 66 chapters. I think there was two copies of it, completely intact. And this was considered by archaeologists the most remarkable find of all time. Because um, it, it, it allowed the, uh, scholars to be able to look at uh, Old Testament documents that predated uh, the life of Christ. Um, so that's pretty neat. This is in a museum called, I think, the Museum of the Shrine um, in Israel. And uh, I'll show you pictures of that maybe in the coming weeks. But I didn't know that I had ever pointed that out. That's what we're looking at there. Um, also, I wanted to show you here at the front end, um, Isaiah. In the book, of I the book of Isaiah is quoted a lot. It's the most quoted Old Testament book by New Testament authors. And it just so happens that in this little window that we're going to look at today, in Romans 9, 10, and 11... Paul quotes Isaiah all over the place. And so I've got a little chart that shows you uh, how many times Paul is quoting just in these three chapters. These three chapters of Romans, I'll talk about this in a little bit, are talking about the Jewish people who are living in the first century, and Paul is referring to them as a remnant. And we'll see why that is um, here in just a little bit. So uh, just wanted you to know why we're in Romans today. It's because Romans, Paul looks to the book of Isaiah to help proof text or to help uh, prove some of the concepts that he's presenting uh, to the folks in Rome. Um, our text for today comes from Romans chapter 9. We'll be reading verses 27 through 29. This is Paul quoting from Isaiah. I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. We stand week in and week out to be reminded, right, that this is where truth comes from. It's not what somebody had to say this past week at work. It's not what we heard on the radio. It's not what we read in an article or a magazine. It's what God's Word says. And so we stand up just to remind ourselves that, hey, look, this is where truth comes from. So let's read from God's Word today, Romans chapter 9, Paul quoting from Isaiah, beginning at verse 27. Here we go. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. You may be seated. Thank you so much. All right, so let's kind of look at, we're going to look at these verses, but first I want to go back to the original. I want to go back to Isaiah that Paul is quoting from and try and figure out, well, why is he quoting from this particular passage in Isaiah? How does that, how does, why is Paul, Paul carrying that forward? 
Let's go back to Isaiah. We'll start there. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 22. This is the first of the verses that Paul quotes from. Isaiah 10 and verse 22. For though your people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. The phrase, as the sand of the sea, reminds anybody who's Jewish, reminds Paul's Jewish audience that he's writing to here, uh, that, that this is referring to the promise that God had made to, um, made to Father Abraham. Um, God told Abraham that he would have so many offspring that they would number like the sand of the sea and like the stars of the sky. And so when Isaiah is mentioning this, also his audience is remembering that second promise that was made to Abraham. And sure enough, 1,300 years after God had made Abraham that promise that he was going to become a great and mighty nation, that's exactly what happened. Uh, so many of Abraham's offspring uh, were, uh, were on the earth, and they became a great and mighty nation. Also note that Isaiah calls his audience in verse 22 there, your people Israel. I've got a map for you here. Let's take a look at our map. In the days of Isaiah, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. Shortly after the, the death of King Solomon, folks started not getting along, and the kingdom of Israel, which was just at one time all united, divided into the north and the south. And so you can see that there. The colors kind of give you the differences. So Israel uh, was the kingdom of the north. So 10 of the, tri 10 of the 12 tribes uh, formed together uh, this northern kingdom called Israel, and the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, Benjamin being the, two, the larger of the two land masses, uh, became the southern kingdom known as Judah, named after the, two, the larger of the land masses. Um, and so in the days of Isaiah, these kingdoms are still divided. So when Isaiah ref references your people Israel, just think reference point on your map, he's talking about the northern kingdom. He's not talking about all the Jewish people. He's not talking about Israel and Judah. He's just talking about that northern kingdom. And so he's talking specifically about them. And what, did it, what is it that's going to happen to them? Back to our verse, verse 22. For though your people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. Destruction is decreed. So Isaiah is predicting the destruction of that northern kingdom. So you remember that map, that north, you have the north and the south. He's saying, hey, look, the north is going to be destroyed. He says in verse 23, For the Lord God of hosts will make a full end of the northern kingdom of Israel as decreed in the midst of all of the earth. Again, destruction is coming on Israel. And sure enough, just as Isaiah had predicted, uh, that's exactly what happened. During the lifetime and the ministry of Isaiah, the northern nation of Israel was attacked by the king of Assyria numerous times, actually. Finally, a fellow by the name of Sargon II, and there's uh, writings uh, that corroborate all this uh, in the part of the Assyrian Empire. So extra-biblical text corroborates the biblical text. Um, and so this uh, nation, the kingdom of Assyria, came and attacked uh, Israel a final time in the year 722 B.C. In 722 B.C., uh, King Sargon II of Assyria raised an army against the northern kingdom of Israel. He laid waste to the people. He laid waste to the cities of Israel, and he carried off tens of thousands of Israelites, northern kingdom folks, into exile back toward the Assyrian Empire. That happened in the year 722 B.C. Will you all please humor me and say 722 B.C.? 722 B.C. Okay, so that, that, that date is now stuck in your brain, right? That date for the people of Israel would be like suggesting, it was saying the date December 7th, 1941, the day that Pearl Harbor was attacked. 
It would be like saying the date November 22, 1963, the day that President Kennedy was assassinated, or saying to our generation 9-11. Those kind of dates just are planted firmly in the hearts and the minds of the nation. Just the same, 722 was a devastating event in the life of the nation of Israel. And so the Jewish people would have always remembered 722 B.C. It was a really big deal to them. Now notice Isaiah says back in verse 22 that only a remnant of them will return. If you skip back to verses 20 and 21, Isaiah draws on this concept there as well of remnant. He says in verse 20, in that day, the remnant of Israel. So this whole section of verses here that Isaiah is uh, given in, in chapter 10 deal with this concept of remnant. He says in verse 21, a remnant will return. The remnant of Jacob. Remember, Jacob was renamed Israel, all right, very good, uh, to the mighty God. Verse 22, for though your people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. So this section of scripture here, um, Isaiah chapter 10, from which Paul is quoting, is not so much concerned with the northern kingdom, Israel, Israel, as it is concerned with the concept of remnant. A remnant meaning that though destruction is coming, God will hold back. God is going to preserve amongst the Jewish people, some of them, from destruction. Some of them won't experience, it won't be a complete devastation of all of the Jewish people. Some of them, a remnant, will remain. Now flip back over to Romans chapter 9, and we see Paul's second quote from Isaiah. He quotes Isaiah as saying, Romans 9 and verse 29, And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, and offspring is the continuation of the bloodline. An offspring is a continuation of the race. And so he's saying here, look, if God had not left us an offspring, uh, we would have become like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were two Old Testament cities that were known for their licentiousness. They were known for being horribly depraved. In fact, God couldn't even find one righteous person in all of Sodom and all of Gomorrah. And because of that, God destroyed those cities and their populations. They became extinct from the earth. So Isaiah is saying, given how bad the Israelites have become, given how sinful and disobedient and unrepentant the northern kingdom has become, God is going to destroy them, but he's not going to destroy all of them. There will be this remnant that will remain that God's going to hold back for himself so that all of the race is not destroyed. Um, now flip forward to Romans 9, and let's see if we can figure out, again, what's going on in Paul's day that makes him want to cite these verses from Isaiah. What is Paul thinking? What's the connection between what Isaiah is saying all those years before and what Paul is experiencing in his day? Well, again, Romans chapter 3, i got a slide for you here, is part of a three-chapter section of Paul's letter to the Romans where Paul specifically addresses the seemingly strange phenomena of why are the Jewish people for the most part, refusing to accept Jesus as Messiah. Everybody else gets it. Why are the, why are the Jewish people? I mean, he is your Messiah. How could you miss it? Why are you not re responding to him? Why are the Jewish people not coming to faith in Christ? And so in Romans 9, 10, and 11, Paul is dealing with this issue, this phenomena. If you want to learn more about the specific answers that Paul gives, because I'm not going to get into all that this morning, you can go back to the series that we taught here on the book of Romans several years back ago. There was, I believe there was three sermons. I had not go back and check this, but I think there was three sermons that rise up out of these three chapters, and uh, you can go back and check that out for your own. But for our purposes today, notice that Paul is acknowledging that there are a lot of Jewish people rejecting Jesus. 
There are a lot of Jewish people in Paul's day who are out of step with what God is doing. However, just as in the days of Isaiah, when God held back for himself a remnant from destruction, so today, in Paul's day, God is holding back a remnant from among the Jewish people. He is bringing some of the Jewish people along. That is, not all of the Jewish people are rejecting Jesus. And Paul even uses the language of election to refer to these Jewish people. Some of them, a remnant, some elect, are responding to the gospel. And Paul calls those Jewish people again the remnant. He says over in chapter 11 in verse 1, he says, I ask then, has God rejected all of his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, if God had rejected all of the Jewish people outright, and this was just totally a Gentile thing, God finished with the Jewish people, then Paul's going, why am I a Christian? Right? I'm Jewish. I'm exhibit A. Uh, and so I'm evidence of the fact that God has not rejected the Jewish people. There is a remnant that God is holding back for himself, just as God did with, during the days of Isaiah. God is doing today, in Paul's day, he's preserving some of the Jewish people for himself. He says down in verse 5, chapter 11, So too, at the present time, Paul's day, there is a remnant chosen by grace. With this quote from Isaiah, Paul is using it as a proof text to say, what has happened before in Isaiah's day is happening again in Paul's day. When it comes to the Jewish people, this is the way God works. He keeps for himself a remnant. The rest go off to destruction. The rest are hardened in their disbelief, but not all. God is in the business of preserving for himself from amongst the Jewish people um, an elect or a remnant for himself. All right, well, that is our treatment of this text for today. And so that means it's time for us to stop and ask the question that we ask every week around here. What difference does all this make to my life, right? Uh, well, I got two points for you here. First is, first difference this makes to your life and to mine. Number one is that not everyone who thinks that they are going to heaven will make it there. Not everyone who thinks they're, they're going to heaven will make it there. If we were to walk into Athens and just start asking people as we're walking around town, you know, are you planning on going to heaven? Most folks would be like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the alternative is not something they really want to acknowledge. So 